Good morning. The first reading is from the New Testament, 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 7. I urge then, first of all, that all petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time, and for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle, I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. The next reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, 1 through 13. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will come, will welcome me into their houses. So he called each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with a very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with a very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Thank you, Dolores, for reading God's Word for us this morning. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, uh, our gospel reading. I won't read it again, but I'll point out a couple verses. So you want to have your Bibles open. We uh, are in a privilege or in a series called um, Cover to Cover. And uh, so I'm going to ask you to take out your bulletin, turn it to the backside. There is a place to take sermon notes. There's a pen in front of you. There'll be some things on the screen. I know you're going to want to write down some things that the Holy Spirit speaks to you this morning. And uh, so that's there for you. It's the series called Cover to Cover. 
And uh, we're doing this because we believe it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. And we don't just read parts of the Bible or the parts of the Bible that we like, but we read the whole Bible. We get it all inside of us, and that's why we're walking through the lectionary for three years. Uh, Old Testament reading, New Testament reading, Gospel reading, Psalm reading, they're all in your bulletin. The questions are there. Um, but uh, our Bibles should be the thing that guides our life. It should be one of the most important things that we own. If you don't own a Bible, there's Bibles in the lobby, and they're free. Please take one, because we want everyone uh, to have the Word of God. What's interesting about this series, or walking through the lectionary, is that it's forcing me to preach on passages that I, I probably wouldn't choose to open up. And I'd rather skip certain passages in the Bible. And there are passages in the Bible that are just simply difficult. They're hard to handle. They're hard to understand. And what I've noticed in my life, that if there is a scripture that is perplexing to me or difficult for me, it's usually that God wants to speak something clearly through that passage. And so it requires a little more study. And so this is one of those stories in the Bible that is a little more difficult, but it's good to talk about. It's important to talk about because God put it in his word for us. And so we find ourselves looking at the parable of the unjust steward today. It's probably the most perplexing parable that Jesus teaches. It comes right after the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, which is probably Jesus' most popular parable and then comes the story of the unjust servant, a, a story that maybe you've never even heard before. And in, even if you grew up in church, you may have never heard it before because this one is not the one they teach in Sunday school. It's a strange story about a business owner that has an office manager and he's about to fire the office manager and the office manager catches wind of it. He knows that his days are numbered. He knows that he's in deep trouble, so he needs to act fast because he says, I'm too proud to beg and I'm too weak to work. So what's he going to do? Well, he devises this plan. He brings in the biggest customers of the owner and he says, have I got a deal for you. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take your bills. We're going to cut them in half. I am going to hide the paper trail. I'm going to write new invoices. And there you go. That's the plan. It's simple. It works. He cheated. He got away with it. No one could prove that he did it. And now all the richest men in town owe him a favor. His future is secure. He's taken care of himself. He's going to be let go, but it doesn't matter because one of these other guys are going to give him a job or help him out. What doesn't make sense in this parable is that Jesus seems to honor the person that is dishonest. And that's where the problem lies when we read this parable. It, it just seems that Jesus praises him. If you look at it at face value, it just doesn't make sense. But the reality is that Jesus is using this story to actually make a point. So Jesus tells the story of the unjust steward, and he's saying that look at this guy. This guy has single-minded devotion to himself to his God and, and, and to his cause. He's going to take care of himself no matter what it takes. And Jesus' point is pretty simple. Here is someone who knows how to give his heart, mind, and soul 
to the God that he serves, which happens to be himself, but, but he knows how to give everything to get something done. Jesus is saying that what if we as citizens of the kingdom of God were able to give such single-minded and complete devotion to our true God, the one and only God? What if we gave that same type of devotion to our God? Martin Luther in the small catechism says that to which our heart clings and entrusts itself is really your God. To that which your heart clings and entrusts itself is really your God. In the story of the unjust steward, Jesus is asking us, the first question he asks us is, what really is my God? What really is my God? He's asking us in the story of this con man manager, if, if he's smart enough to be devoted to serving his God, are you smart in devoting yourself to your true God. It's really simple. Jesus is saying, do you put my kingdom first? Do you put me above all else? Am I the first in all of your life, not just part? Do I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and do I love others as myself? Do I have single-minded devotion to my God? Another teaching in this passage is about faithfulness. It's not on the screen. You can just write it down. It's about faithfulness. It's about our faithfulness. Can we be trusted with the things of God? In Luke 16, 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. God is calling us to single-minded devotion to the kingdom. Every minute of every day, he's saying, look, I want you to be faithful in, the, in, in, in all things and even in the small things. And sometimes we make it so complicated in life. Well, God, when the big things come, I'll, I'll follow you. I'll do it your way. And God's saying, no, I want you to pay attention even in the small things of life, the ordinary things of life, the everyday life. In your daily existence, do you put me first or do you put yourself first? See, that's what he wants to know. Can you be faithful even in the small things? Because we're invited to realize that the genuinely important things in life, they don't have a price tag. They don't have a dollar sign attached to them. If we were honest, the, the most important things in life are, are the small things, the things we're in contact with every day. Our friends, our spouse, our children, our coworkers, that that wherever we go, that whatever we do, that we would be faithful even in the little things to our God. And then if we are free from serving ourselves or the things of this world, all of a sudden we can begin serving God with our life. We're free from having to take care of ourselves and, and free to seek His kingdom first. So in this story, he's asking, who's really your God and will you be faithful even in the small things. And then the final teaching of Jesus in this passage comes in verse 13. He asks this question about us. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I have to be honest with you today and let you in on a secret about my life is that 
I hate preaching about money or talking about it at all. Um, I've had a knot in my stomach uh, all week knowing that this was one of the points in the sermon. Because I know that there are pastors and people that take advantage of people when it comes to money. And I don't want to do that, but I do want to teach you what God says about money. And so Jesus is telling us here right in this passage of Scripture, and it goes back to the very first question, and maybe that's why it's hard to talk about money, because it really does hit at the root of our question, what really is my God? Because money is unlike anything else. Money forces you to worship it. And you may say, no, I don't worship money. We need money. We can't live without money. We give our lives for money. We will get up early in the morning to go to a job that maybe we don't even like to get money. We may have two or three jobs to get money. We might have a side hustle to get even more money. We will trade 40, 50, 60, 70 hours of our week for money. You will spend most of your adult life, sorry to depress you, but most of your adult life will be spent earning money. Whatever we give our lives to, that's what we worship. And so we, we do that with money. It forces us to worship it because we need it. We need money in order to survive. That's the reality. And so money forces us to worship it. It forces us to give our lives for it. It also acts like a god. Money acts like a god. It fights for supremacy in our life. You know, it's funny because there's nothing else like it. In fact, in all of Jesus' teaching, there is no God that rivals the one true God. But in this case, he's saying there is another God and you can't serve both of them. Because money acts like a God. You know what money does? It promises the things that God promises you. It promises you freedom. It promises you security. It promises you power. Money promises all those things and rarely ever delivers, but it promises all those things. Here's the other thing money does. Money says, I'll solve all your problems. Right? Is that a God? I'll solve all your problems. Just ask a politician. You give them more money, we'll take care of everything. And they're usually taking care of problems that came from money. But, but again, it's like, if I have more money, all my problems will be gone. It'll solve all my problems if I, if I have more money. Money also acts like a God because it causes fear in our life. If we have a lot of money, we're afraid that somebody is going to get our money. If we don't have any money, we're afraid that we will not be able to pay our bills, we'll not be able to survive. And so there's that fear involved with money. And so money actually forces us to worship it, and it acts like a god. And let me tell you this, the world is really good at working for its god. They know how it works. It's the parable of the unjust steward, that whatever it takes, I'm going to take care of me. Jesus asks, how hard do you work for your god? And who is your god?
How hard are you willing to work for your God and who is your God? Because you can't serve two gods. You will love one and hate the other. There cannot be two kingdoms in the same place. If there's two kingdoms fighting over the same place, one will win and one won't win. There will be one that comes to power. And so Jesus is saying, look, you have this choice. You can't serve both. You've got to serve one. What is your God? Jesus takes time in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 to let us know this, that we're to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom. In this story, if there's one thing we learn, it's to seek the one true God first. To put him first, above all else, that we would honor him as a committed disciple, that we would serve our God and him alone, that we would give our complete allegiance to the one true God. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we do that? Because if we have to go to work and we have to have money to live, how does this work? Do we, do we all go quit our jobs? Do we all choose to live in poverty? No. We're, we're supposed to work. That's part of God's plan for your life. Did you know that that's part of God's plan for your life is to work? And so we, it's not that we go quit our jobs. We, we, that's the reality. We need money to survive. So how do we fight money becoming our God? How do we make the one true God our God? And write this down before I give you the points. Whatever we devote ourselves to will become our God. Whatever we devote ourselves will become our God. And so I'm going to give you two practical things you can do so that even though we go to work for money and we're called to work, that that money isn't something we give our lives completely for. It's not our God. How do we change this? How do we fight money becoming our God? Number one, you need to see your workplace as a place of ministry. You need to see your work as a place of ministry. That wherever you work, wherever you go to school, you stay at home and you homeschool your kids, whatever you do, wherever you go, wherever you give your energy, that is your place of ministry. Amen. That yes, they're going to give you a paycheck, and yes, you're going to do a good job for your boss because that's what the Bible tells you to do. You're going to give your all, but you're there on assignment from God. That he has placed you there that he's given you that job, that he's given you the energy to earn wealth. He's there, and you're bringing him with you. Do you know that you bring the Holy Spirit wherever you go? That you bring the church, the presence of God, wherever you go? That you bring the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good, wherever you go? And if you don't, then it might be time to check. Do you see your work as a place of ministry? Do you see where you're going? Is I'm, I'm not going just to get a paycheck. I'm going there because God's sending me there that I'm his ambassador, that there may be somebody he wants to talk to today. Here's maybe somebody he wants to show love to today. There may be somebody there that needs to hear the good news today. There, there's someone that needs their, some joy today. It, and, and seeing our work as a place of ministry is so important, and that fights money becoming our God that we realize I'm going to work or I'm staying at home with the kids or I'm going to school or what you fill in the blank, wherever I find myself, I'm there on assignment from God. 
And I'm doing this as unto the Lord. Not for my boss, but for God. So that's the first thing. That's the most practical thing we can do to fight money becoming our God. The second uh, thing that we can do is that we can give. We can give. There's a principle in God's word from beginning to end, and that is this, that God wants your first and your best. Whether it was a child that was born and brought to God in the temple, or whether it be giving the first fruits of crops or, or, or the first fruits of a paycheck, it, it doesn't matter. I'm saying, God, you're number one. And in the Bible, it talks about a tithe. It talks about that from the very beginning on, that we give 10% of what we make or what we earn or what we get, and we give it to the Lord. The 90% we get to live on, but that 10% says, God, you're number one. That before I pay any bill, before my money goes anywhere else, before that money goes to me, God, you're going to get the first part because you're number one. And giving helps money not become your God. It, gen, there's something about generosity, and, and you know this because sometimes it's more fun to give a gift than to receive a gift, right? We know that, and, and you want to know why that is? It's because that's how God made it. That's who God is. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. He, he gave his one and only son. That's just who God is. He's a giver, and so when we give, we're a lot like him. And when we give, especially when we give that first part to God and say, okay, God, this belongs to you. And, and we, it's not like you're paying a bill, paying a paycheck. You know, no, it's just, it's just God with a willing heart, with an obedient heart. I just want to give this to you. I want to place it into your hands. Your, your, the, the ties that money has on you, the worship, the, the God-likeness begins to evaporate because you're saying, I serve one God. I serve the true God. That wherever I go to work, wherever I, wherever I minister, I'm going there for God. That, 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 that when that paycheck comes in, that first part goes to God. And that will break the power of money on your life. And let me tell you why this is so important. And we'll go back to what Jesus says. Jesus says this, you can only serve one. You can't serve both. You can't say, well, God, you got, you got Sundays. I'll give you Sundays. I'll give you the first day of the week. And then the rest of the week, I'll live for myself. You, you, you can't do that because only one will win in your life. And that's really important because God says in his word that one will steal, kill, and destroy, and one will give life. When God says in his word, have no other gods before me, he's not saying that because he's got this big ego and he needs you to worship him alone. And, and if you don't worship him, he's less of a God. No, he says don't worship other gods because other gods will mistreat you. Other gods will lie to you. They will steal from you. They will kill you. They will destroy you. Do not give your life to something Else. And so if we live for ourselves and we live for that paycheck, if we do that, it will steal, kill, and destroy. But if God is my God, and with single-minded devotion I follow him, he promises me abundant life, full, rich, satisfying, all the different translations, the abundant life. He offers us new life. He offers us abundant life. He offers us eternal life. And he even says in this passage of Scripture that when you have your treasure, make sure it's put into eternal things. 
the things that matter. And so that's what's so important. And that we're faithful, as he said, faithful in everything, even the little things. That we'd be faithful and we would give ourselves in single-minded devotion to our God, to Him alone. And that's what He's calling us to do. So the choice is yours today. What God will you serve? The God of this world? The God of yourself? Or the one true God that gives abundant life? I'm going to tell you today, choose wisely. And we've given you some practical things to do. When you go to work, go to work for God. And when you get that paycheck, just give the first part to Him. That honors Him, and it changes everything in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, well, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Super kind. You don't normally ever get a clap when talking about money, that's for sure. So, I appreciate that. Um, I just want to uh, talk to you guys for a moment before we pray. And before we um, receive the blessing of the Lord today, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm pausing just a few minutes early here, and that's because I just want to talk to our church family this morning. And so I'm so glad uh, that you're here, that we're able to, to talk this morning. And, and if I could have your attention for the next few minutes, I would really, really appreciate that. Um, I want to say how excited I am for all the new faces I see in our church. I am, I am overjoyed at what God is doing, both on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. I love it. And, and I want to let you know that you are welcome in this place. And um, if there's ever anything, I'm here uh, to serve you, and our church is here to serve you, and I'm excited about our lunch next week. So if you have started coming within uh, the last year, we'd love to meet you and uh, uh, even if this is your first Sunday, we still love to meet you. And maybe you've been coming for a while and, and you and I have never met. I want to see you there because uh, I want to meet you. And I am so excited about our future, all the things that Jennifer talked about in the bulletin, all the great things coming up. It is exciting. And so I just want to say on behalf of our church, welcome to, to so many uh, new faces in the crowd. And because there are a lot of new people, I need to share a little something about our church because our church has actually been in transition the last few years. And, and some of you may have uh, noticed this and, and some of you maybe haven't noticed it, but I've talked with our leadership teams. I, I've talked, uh, we had a, a dinner with some uh, leaders in our church and, and obviously talked to the staff and everything. And, and just over the last few years, and again, if you're new to the church, wouldn't even have any idea, but, but over the last number of years, uh, we've actually lost a lot of families from our church. We, we've lost between 20 and 30 families in our church, and not for anything bad. Nothing bad has happened that I know of. Um, it's just they're moving out. They're getting away, and I don't know why. Doesn't everybody want to live in Cook County anymore? I don't know. I <laughs> I know everybody's like, no, get me out. And, every, and, and I know, there, I, know I, I talk to a lot of you. I know of you, when, when you can, you're going to be out of here. And I totally get it. I, 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 it's okay. Because the, the funny thing is I, I've gone to visit a lot of the people that have moved, and I go to their house, and I'm like, totally get it. <laughs> you, know, you know, you have like a farm, and before you had nothing, and, and it was like $2 or something. I mean, it's just like crazy. 
um, no taxes and all. I'm just like, I get it, I get it, I get it. And uh, so a lot of people have retired, moved away, or moved, wanted to be closer to grandchildren or to children. Uh, uh, people have moved jobs, moved careers, gone to different places, and, and um, it's just been kind of this natural transition. It's not good or bad. I'll just say this, that for me as pastor, it's been really sad because I've had to say goodbye to a lot of friends uh, that I've known for 10, 20, 30 years, and they were uh, important in my life. They were important in the life of our church. I call them pillars in our church because they were here. They were volunteering. Uh, they were kind of that relational glue. They were um, givers, all of those things. It's just, been, it's just been really hard for me. And so that's why I love seeing so many new faces. Um, I believe God sent you here. And so I want to say welcome to, to everybody that's been here. And, and especially those that, that yeah, thank you. And I, and I don't want to leave out um, the people that have been here 20, 30, 10 years, whatever. Thank you, because, uh, and please don't leave. But um, no, just, I just, so I, I'm very grateful to um, all of you. And I know that some have moved away and actually still drive in, and that, that amazes me. And, and pretty much everybody I've talked to that has left, um, they said, we can't imagine our life without CLC and what it's meant to us. So to, to my knowledge, no one, not one person, and I can say this all honesty, has left with anger or bitterness. or It's just with sadness. So we, we've seen that happen. What's happened, though, over the last few years, um, and this is where I want to talk to everybody about, is that um, because so many families have moved away, and, and so many of them were so faithful in our church, we, we've seen a lot of things happen. And if you've noticed in our balance sheets that we've given out over the last three or four years, um, that it's consistently gone down in, in giving and income in the church just year after year after year. And, and not just a percentage point here or there, but, but big percentage points, uh, it's come down. And we've also seen a lot of volunteers walk out the door, and so uh, that's, been, that's been hard, too, uh, in different ministries. You'll also notice not, with, not only the giving coming down, but a lot of other things coming down. Um, spending has come down. Salaries have come down. It just keeps coming down and down and down, and we have cut and cut and cut. And um, so I'm here to say now there's nothing left to cut. We're at a very serious moment in the presence. And we need to be strong as a church because there's a lot of people counting on us. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have uh, the entire community here for the giveaway, and we need to be a strong house for things like the kids' pantry, for the college that we house here, for Mission Possible, who has uh, their offices here, for uh, the north central region of our fellowship, hundreds of churches and hundreds of pastors that, that, that we help oversee and that we're to be here for and to cheer on and to, and to help. And I don't even want to talk about all the missionaries that we have, um, we have just given and given. You'll see that in our statements as well, that our giving to missions has never gone down because we believe in what we're doing around the world, and so we don't want to cut anything that goes out to missionaries. But we're at a very critical moment. And this is the honor of my life to be a pastor. 
if cuts have to be made, I'll go first. And I'll go get a part-time job or something. But I don't want to cut any missionaries. I don't want to hurt anybody else. I just, I just believe that God's going to provide all that we need. We are not a church that borrows money to pay bills. We're not going to take out a loan for this. Um, whatever comes in will be our budget. And I'll do whatever I have to do. And I know everybody else will do whatever they have to do. But we need to be strong because there's so many people counting on this house. And um, so, like I said, our future is super bright. I have no doubt about that. And that's why it's a privilege to lead and I can't wait to see what's in store. But I'm going to ask you to do this with me. I'm going to ask you to pray. And I'm going to ask you to pray that God provides every single need and that we don't have to cut one missionary. Because I can go out and like drive Uber or something, but a missionary on the other side of the world can't go out and get a second job. So whatever has to be done, we're going to do. Because we want to we be faithful in our commitments and we want to be faithful as a church. And so I'm going to ask you to pray with me that God provides. All right? Will you pray with me? I'm going to also ask you to give. That you, if you can give, to give. And I know there are many that give and you give sacrificially. And first of all, and that you've been doing that for years. So first of all, let me say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. We would not even be here without you. Um, and uh, so, uh, again, we just believe uh, that God's going to provide. And, and so if you don't give, you should give. But I, I always want to be careful, and I'm, I'm sorry that I cried because I never want to be manipulative. But I just want to say you give with a cheerful heart, a grateful heart, under no obligation. But we talked about giving today. If you're called to give, please give. And if you don't give, please give. And if, if maybe you're behind on your giving, get caught up on your giving, whatever. Because I, I just want us to be strong as a church. Um, so yeah, so if you can, if you can give, uh, please, uh, please give. And, um, and again, I know God's going to provide everything that we need. I also want you to know that, that I didn't choose the Bible verse today. It was the one in the lectionary. So um, again, no manipulation there. I'll probably share it in the weeks to come, but it probably won't be talking about money. It just happened to be on money this week. But I do want you to be faithful in your giving. Give to the Lord. Make him the number one God. Single-minded devotion to him. And uh, yeah, so... Thank you for letting me be a little sloppy in, in all of that. Um, but can we pray together? Yeah. All right. Lord, you are good. You are faithful. You're going to provide every need. Lord, you're going to do that in a variety of ways. And um, Lord, thank you for providing for all of us. Lord, I know we're not the only ones going through a hard time. There's, there's many places in the kingdom. There are many families in our church that are struggling right now. And God, you say that you'll provide all that we need according to your riches and glory. So Lord, would you provide for our church? Would you provide for all the bills that need to be paid? Uh, Lord, just open our eyes to where we can save money. And uh, but Lord, I pray that you just increase, um, bring an increase, Lord, to our house. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.